0: Welcome to 2022. Let me give you a good word of encouragement. Buckle up. Buckle up. This is going to be a ride. This year 2022 is going to be, have a lot of very highs and a lot of very lows. And God wants us equipped for everything that we're going to face in this upcoming year. Uh, Bless you for... Turning up tonight to be able to turn the pages of Matthew chapter 6. Looking at a a wonderful, fantastic war against the flesh. uh, In fasting, Jesus said, when you give, in Matthew chapter 6, when you pray. And tonight we're going to start when you fast. So let's just commit this evening and this year as a Sermon on the Mount, disciple-making family that the Lord would be able to get everything out of our lives that he's longing to receive as a gift to our king for this year. Father, we just raise our voice and say we love you with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all of our strength. And we want you to manifest your love to us in a practical, applicable way way all throughout this year. Lord, this is the first of the year. What, What a wonderful way to start a new year After all the festivities that we've had at the conclusion of last year. All of the wonderful times that we've eaten and fellowshiped and and, uh, just had a great time with family, friends. Now with family and friends, we want to just seek you in a fresh way. So come, Lord. Speak to your sons and your daughters that we as your sons and your daughters may follow you with all our heart. To the glory of God we pray. Amen. Amen. Janet. Thank
1: you. Good to see you all. So those of you that are new to our group, I need this, right, because I guess we're taping. Um, Reuven and I usually take turns teaching, and sometimes we have someone else teach. And then we go into small groups, and we kind of share together. And that's where we really flesh out what we've been learning in the large group. And so the small group has its own significance. And if you're not in a group, then tonight we're going to try to get you into a group, okay? So if you'll turn with me to Matthew 6. We've been studying the Sermon on the Mount. We will continue this study. It's called the Law of the New Testament. People say, "I'm so glad I'm not under the Old Testament law anymore because there's so many laws, 613. Well, Jesus raised the bar in the New Testament. So we are to love as He loves, or to forgive as He forgives, or to have mercy as the Father has mercy. I mean, it's an intense level of walking in spiritual maturity that is expected of us in the New Covenant. And so we don't want to just read the Word in order to accumulate knowledge. We want to walk out the Word of God. We want to have a Hebraic mindset. See, the the, uh, Greek mindset is to read for the purpose of learning. The Hebraic mindset is to read to know what God wants us to do. What are we to obey? So as we read tonight, as we study the Word, in our hearts, we want to say, Holy Spirit, what is obedience for me? What are you saying to me tonight? We don't want to walk out and be the same people we walked, as we walked in. So Matthew 6, I'm going to refresh your memory of a couple of the disciplines prior to fasting. Let's read verses 3 and 4. Matthew 6, 3 and 4. Jesus said, when you do a charitable deed. Now your version may have something different there. What that actually is, is an alm. It's giving money to the poor, basically. Giving money to the poor. But it can be any charitable deed. So when you do that, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So in other words, don't give for people to see what you've done. Don't give glory. Don't give in such a way that people recognize how wonderful and religious you are. And then in verse 6, he says, When you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut your door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So it's a similar thing. We pray in public. Jesus did. The disciples did. We do. But if that's the only time we pray, it's not enough. It's not a way to build your prayer life and your intimacy with the Lord if you only pray in public. So you pray in private. You go into a room and you shut the door. So you have intimate time just between you and the Father. So both of those disciplines are important. And then he speaks about the third discipline, which we start reading in verse 16. When you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So again, he says, don't fast to be seen by men. What we would say today is wash your hair, take a shower, put on your makeup and look your best. Even when you're fasting. Don't make, don't look so bad that people say, oh man, you must be fasting. <laughs> you're getting everyone's attention with your fasting. So in these verses, Jesus spoke of three disciplines that are central to our spiritual lives. Giving, praying, praying. And fasting. And when we weave these two, these three together, then our walk with God is fortified. Fasting should be as much a part of our lives as giving and praying are. And that's impossible if we always and only think in terms of a total fast but we will see tonight there are many different ways to fast and we can fast as much as we give and as much as we pray if we incorporate a variety of fasts I heard a pastor one time preach on fasting and she said, it was a female pastor, she said you can fast anything, it doesn't have to be food, it can be anything and there was a 12 year old boy in the congregation who had Down syndrome he didn't speak very much But he went home that day and he said, I'm going to fast tennis. So he put his tennis racket in the closet for a while. And that was a real sacrifice for him. And we can fast other things. I've known of people even within the last year, Baylor students that have fasted social media. We can fast entertainment. We can fast our hobbies or TV or reading magazines or whatever brings you pleasure. You can fast that for a while. But it's fasting from food that catapults us into a place of power with God and that will enable us to successfully war against the enemy. And it's neglecting this discipline that has resulted in diminished power in the body of Christ, both individually and collectively. The discipline of fasting releases the anointing, the favor, and the blessing of God. It brings us into a deeper, more intimate, and powerful relationship with the Lord. Dr. Malachi O'Brien says, I want more of God. And the fastest way to encounter God, more at a deeper level, is through fasting. So we don't fast to bribe or manipulate God to get Him to do our will, We fast to meet with God in such a way that our wills are aligned with His will. We fast because we care about eternal things. We care about the souls of men. We care about our church. We care about our city and about our nation. We care about our own righteousness, our own purity, and our own morality. So we fast so that we can walk in a walk of holiness before the Lord that pleases Him. Turn with me to Isaiah 58. in your homework, you were to have read this whole chapter. We're just going to read verse 6 together. Isaiah 58, verse 6. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. See, fasting adds tremendous power to prayer. It loosens bonds of wickedness. It releases burdens. It frees the oppressed. It breaks the yoke of the enemy. Remember, there were a few times when Jesus cast demons out of people in the Gospels and When the disciples said, why couldn't we cast it out? And he said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Now, Jesus could have been fasting right then. But what I want to suggest to you is that Jesus had a fasted lifestyle. Fasting was part of his life. The Jews back in his day usually fasted two days a week. And if we will have a lifestyle where fasting is a regular part of our lives, we will walk in a different level of spiritual power. I've read a book by a man that's very anointed in the ministry of healing. And he says in that book, if God has called you to have a ministry of healing on any level, mental healing, emotional healing, physical healing, any kind of healing, if God has called you to that, then you must have fasting as part of your spiritual disciplines because that will build the power and the faith of God in you to walk in the calling that he's put on your life. Once I read that book, that that convinced me. Fasting has got to be a regular part of my life. So Reuben and I tend to fast on Mondays. That's our day. I know someone else who fasts on Friday. There are other people that will choose a different day according to their schedule, what works for them. But as we look at this whole picture of fasting, be asking the Lord, what is obedience for me? What are you asking of me? Is it just to fast one meal a week and I give that time to you in prayer and in study of the word? Is it to take on two meals a week? Is it to take on a day a week? There's a a ministry, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, And everyone who's a part of that ministry, hundreds of people, fast one day a week and one weekend a month. And they do it all on the same day. They all fast on Tuesday. And they all choose the same weekend, the month. I think it's the first weekend of the month. And they all fast the first weekend of the month. And there are breakthroughs that happen throughout that ministry because they get into corporate fasting. So like I said before, because we don't fast like we should, we are anemic personally and corporately as the body of Christ. It is a discipline that should be a part of our lives. It's convicting to me too. I also don't find it easy to fast. I think it's great when people say, oh, it's easy for me to fast. I think, boy, that's great for you. That's not the case with me. And for most of us, I think it's not the case. So um, Isaiah 58 This is a key scripture for ministries that are involved in areas of healing and freedom and breakthrough. And so I'll just tell you a little bit of of my family history. My father pastored in Waco years ago. He died in 1972. But in 1967, he was pastoring a church here on Lake Shore. It's now, it's the building is what Christ the King uses now. That was Trinity Church back when I was growing up and my dad was the pastor. And dad had been walking in the power of the Spirit to whatever degree he knew he could. He used many gifts of the Spirit. There was a lot of healing that took place in our church. There was a lot of tongues and interpretation, prophecy that was normal in our church. But the Lord sent to our church in 67 a pastor from Guatemala. And he had a ministry in the area of deliverance, deliverance from demonic spirits or demonic oppression. This was new to my dad. This was new to all of us back then. That was just sort of at the beginning of the charismatic renewal. And so as he was teaching in our church, the Lord spoke to dad and he said, Start a fast right now for eight days. So I don't know if dad had ever fasted before or not, but from that evening he fasted for eight days. And then he asked this pastor to pray for him. And dad was set free from strongholds and oppression that he wasn't even that fully aware of what they were. He just knew that there are areas of his life he did not, not walk in the freedom and in the victory he wanted to walk in. He felt there were areas of defeat, there were areas of weakness. And as this man prayed deliverance prayers over dad, he was set free. He emerged in a whole different power of the Holy Spirit. And that catapulted him into a deliverance ministry. And our church, Trinity Church here, became known as the church where you could come and get deliverance and inner healing. And people all over the city came to the church to get ministry. Then people began to ask him to go to their cities and their states and their churches and he was traveling and ministering in this area, the whole area of the Holy Spirit and deliverance. And he did that for the last few years and then the Lord called him home. But this scripture is the key scripture that he and others would use in that ministry. And dad would ask people, fast for 24 hours before, at least, at least 24 hours before you come for prayer for deliverance. Because that weakens the enemy. And it prepares you for, for breakthrough and for freedom. So I want to read that verse again. Is this not the fast that I've chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free... And that you break every yoke. Man, wouldn't you like every yoke to be broken off of you? Wouldn't you like to go free in every area of your life? For all oppression to be lifted off of you. Where you have such a clear pathway between you and God. And you don't feel that heaviness. You don't feel the spiritual atmosphere pressing in on you. Because it's all been broken off of you. That's possible. And that's what he's referring to here. So fasting, so key in in us and in the body of Christ, key for us individually. Our problem is we like to eat. Eating satisfies more than just hunger. Food is a comfort. It's a reward. When we cried as babies, we were fed. As children, we were given treats. When we were good, when we are honored, someone will bake for us. And as adults, we nurture ourselves by eating the food that we want to eat or cooking for ourselves, our favorite meal. For many many people, food is an anesthetic. It will numb their pain. It will numb their disappointment. It can be controlling. It's a little God with a lot of power. And as you know, addiction to food is common today between anorexia, bulimia, and other addictions to food. Very common today. Turn to 1 Corinthians 9. Let's start reading in verse 25. Paul says, Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So Paul knew that if he did not bring his body into subjection, that he could be disqualified from winning an eternal crown. That's serious. You know, this is the Apostle Paul we're talking about here. So he disciplined his body so he could stay faithful to Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 11, we read that Paul fasted often. And many of us follow Paul's teachings except when it comes to fasting. That's the one area we don't want to be like the Apostle Paul. Look at Philippians 3. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to read verses 18 and 19. He says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Paul says, I'm weeping as I tell you of people who are enemies of the cross of Christ. He didn't say enemies of Christ, he said enemies of the cross. They will not carry their cross and deny self. Instead, they serve their belly, they glory in what they should be ashamed of, and they set their minds on earthly things. Their end is destruction. And he goes on in the next verse to say, for our citizenship is in heaven. So we don't do what they do in the world. We are not enemies of the cross. We embrace the cross. Our stomachs are not our God. We don't glory in our shame. We don't set our minds on earthly things because God's called us to something higher. He says, those of you that are risen with Christ, set your mind on things above where he is seated. Fasting reveals the measure of food's mastery over us. When we voluntarily suffer the pain of an empty stomach, we see how much we've allowed our belly to be our God. If we think about food too much, then we should fast. If you're eating one meal and you're already thinking about your next meal, you should fast. That is a sign. In our society, we think about food a lot. We build our social lives around eating. We have lunches together, dinners together. We add snacks to all of our meetings. We Baptists are very good at this. But there's a good warning for us in Ezekiel 16. So if you'll turn there with me, Ezekiel 16. Remember the first time I I saw this, it, it really impacted me. I hadn't noticed it before. We're going to read verses 49 and 50. Talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. So, starting in verse 49, Ezekiel 16, he says, Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away. As I saw fit. So in Sodom, the problem was not only homosexuality. That's what we usually say. That's why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah is because of homosexuality, because that's the sin that was blatant right at that time. But in this passage, you see there was more than that. They had a problem of pride, of gluttony. They overate. Of idleness of neglecting the poor and the needy, and these sins led to sexual perversion. Gluttony dulls the mind. It stimulates the lusts. It leads to more carnality. Pride makes us think we can get away with sin. So sometimes things start with pride and they lead to more and more carnality until we actually can end in perversion. Romans thirteen fourteen says, we are to make no provision for the lust, for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. I have a friend in Michigan who's 78. She's an intercessor. She prays a whole lot, a few hours a day at least, and she fasts a lot. And she will fast many times throughout the year. She'll fast a few days at a time, a week at a time, but at least once a year, she'll do a 40 day fast and often twice a year. So you think, you know, she's already 78. She's not a big lady, but she will fast for 40 days at a time and press in in prayer to see the victory in some area that she's praying for. Reuben and I usually set aside part of January to fast. We want to consecrate the year to the Lord. We're going to be doing that some this month, consecrating the year to the Lord, consecrating ourselves to the Lord for this year. There are thousands of Americans and numerous churches around the country that will be doing that. And if you haven't heard about it, it's just maybe because you haven't heard about it, but you're hearing about it now, that this is a great way to dedicate the year to the Lord and to consecrate yourself to Him for the year. When we devote extra time to God's Word, to prayer, and to fasting, we will experience throughout the year significant breakthroughs, victories, spiritual direction, and fresh vision. And who of us do not need that? We all need fresh vision. We need spiritual direction. We need victories. We need breakthroughs. So, of course, we need to fast. Fasting needs to be a part of our lifestyle. But if we will fast at the first part of the year... Then, then it's like we are giving God the first fruits of the year. It's kind of a, a fulfillment of Matthew six thirty three, where he said, Seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, and then everything you need is going to be added to you. If you'll take part of January to press in in prayer and fasting, you will see a difference throughout the rest of the year. We've been doing this, how long have we been doing this? Maybe seven years, something like that. My sister goes to an Assembly of God church in Tyler, and their pastor calls the entire church to a 21-day fast in January. And they do it. They all do a 21-day fast in January. When we were in Israel, the pastor we were under for 10 years called our church to a 10-day fast at least three times a year. He himself would often go on a 40-day fast. And then there would be the short fast, like three days here and three days there. And of course, we all fasted one day a week. In fact, it was a poor church. It was birthed out of a drug rehab. And then it was added to by poor immigrants that were immigrating in from Russia, Russian Jewish people that were immigrating to Israel. And once they got to Israel, they suddenly said, is there a God? Because we were told in communism, there is no God. Is there a God? Is there a Bible? Is there a Messiah? And they were open to the gospel. So many Russian Jews were getting saved. And our church was growing because of the the addicts and their families and because of these poor immigrants and their families. And yet we were hearing about all the poverty around us. And we, we didn't have the money to do anything about it. All of us that served there, we all lived by faith. A lot of our people, they didn't have enough money to meet the budget at the end of their month. In fact, once in a while, our pastor get up and say, hey, if you've already, if you have enough money to feed your family for the rest of this month, and you have extra money, would you mind bringing it? Because we have other families that can't feed their families, and we would like to use that money to buy food for them. If you have extra food in your cupboard, extra canned goods, can you bring them? Because we need that to feed the other people. And we took care of each other. We... uh, We all donated part of our clothes twice a year and we would go through the poor people first would go through the clothes and choose what they needed and then the rest of us could take if we needed anything and then we'd give the rest to other poor people. So we kind of took care of each other, very New Testament style in Haifa, Israel. But at one point we realized there are people all around us that are hungry and we are too poor to feed all of them. What are we going to do? So we sought the Lord and he gave us the strategy. He said, if you will all fast on Monday and whatever food you would have bought, whatever money you would have spent on your food, bring that to the church and everyone give your Monday money, money your Monday money to the church, that we will take the Monday money and we will go buy food for all the poor. And that's what we did. And we started feeding 20 families, 30 families, 40 families, as the church grew. And then as international people heard about it, they started sending money. Then we got to where we could feed 120 families every week because of the money that came in. But it started because we fasted so that we would have money to feed the poor. There's so much we can do if we'll just die to self. You know, Any, anything, these are just examples of how to die to self. So Pastor Jensen Franklin... He pastors in Georgia. He's written this book called Fasting, and it's uh, very impactful. And he tells a lot of stories in it of the victories and the healings and the miracles that happen in his church people because they give the first month of the year to the Lord. His whole church of 10,000 people fast for three weeks in January. 21 days. It seems to be something that the Holy Spirit often calls churches and groups to. So, Jensen, sorry, Jensen Franklin, you want to write that down? I want to give you five spiritual benefits of fasting. It makes us more sensitive spiritually. As we deny the flesh, we can more clearly hear the Lord's voice and discern His will. It is a catalyst to transform us into the image of Jesus. We hide our sin with eating, entertainment, busyness, When the hunger increases, we start seeing our sins. We start seeing our fleshly attitudes. And then, of course, we go to God in prayer. We repent, we confess that, and we become more and more transformed into the image of Jesus, which is our goal. Three, fasting helps us stay balanced because we tend to crave unnecessary things until they enslave us. We allow non-essentials to take precedence in our lives like rich foods or luxuries. Our appetites are like a river that overflows its banks. Fasting keeps it within its boundaries. It helps us focus on what really matters. Fasting softens our hearts toward others. When we deny our flesh, we become more sensitized to the needs of others. We recognize them. Compassion wells up in our hearts, and we want to meet those needs. We want to take care of them. And then fasting recalibrates our hearts. When our hearts are realigned with God's plans and God's purposes, then He answers our prayers. So fasting does that. It recalibrates our hearts. It realigns our hearts with the heart and the purpose of God. Pastor Kai in Hawaii says, prayer sets the tone, but fasting sets the pace. And Francis Frangipan, a pastor and an author, he says something similar. He says, fasting gets you there faster. Author David Mathis says, Fasting is a desperate measure for desperate times engaged in by people desperate for God. It's for the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's for all of us who are called by the name of Jesus. Don't you know we're in desperate times now? Our nation is in a desperate time. We need to be fasting for our nation. We need to be praying for our nation. There was, there's, there's a whole group, thousands of people last year all together fasted for 40 days for the nation of America. So I'll remind you of Anna in Luke 2, we're not going to read it, but in Luke 2, 36 and 37 says that Anna was a widow, 84, lived in the temple and served God with fastings and prayer so it's fastings plural different ways to fast and that's what i want to run into now let's look at a few different ways to fast and some of these are in your book the strictest biblical fast is the total fast that's no food no water and you don't want to do that for more than three days unless you want to see jesus very soon (laughs) then there's the absolute fast which is water only there's the partial fast which is cutting out certain foods In in that category, we see the Daniel fast. Remember, Daniel did not eat foods that were uh, desirable. He did not eat meat. He didn't drink wine. He did mainly fruit and vegetables, and that's what we call the Daniel fast. That's a common way to fast, and it's really an easy way to fast. You can also just cut out certain things. You can cut out sugar for a while. You can cut out caffeine for a while. No. Please, no. You can cut out meat for a while. You know, I cut out liver all the time. I'm always fasting. So, you know, there, people say, well, you can't fast all the time. Sure you can. Just don't ever eat liver. So then there's the proclaimed fast. And that's when people abstain from food together for a common cause. Jewish leaders often proclaimed a fast when facing a crisis, a plague, or a war. They still do that today. Pastors who are calling their people to fast this month are proclaiming a fast. And I would love to see us do that more frequently in our church. It may be something that we begin to embrace as a disciple-making ministry. Because we will see breakthroughs if we will fast together. We will see individual breakthroughs. We'll see church-wide breakthroughs. And we'll see city-wide breakthroughs. So it depends on how much How much do we want what God wants? Do we only want our own comfort or do we want God to be pleased and God to get what he deserves? The true spiritual fast is the most common one for believers. It strengthens repentance. You deny self, you subject the bodily appetites to the will of God, and you receive answers to prayer. And that can be a Daniel fast, any kind of fast that the Lord puts you on. And then the consecration fast a person drinks only water as he devotes himself to the Lord. He separates himself from worldly pleasures and comforts. An effective ministry in the power of the Spirit follows a consecration fast. But they do say don't take that on for a long period of time unless you're under medical care. I knew someone that decided to go on a consecration fast. Did it very unwisely. Her health really wasn't up to it. And and in a, in, in the midst of it, she began to uh, not think rationally again. And by the end of the fast, she was a little bit crazy and she was in a wheelchair. And so I'm just saying, you be wise with all this, okay? Don't just say, hey, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do a consecration fast for 40 days just like Jesus. Don't jump into things like that and start... You start easy. If you've never fasted, just fast a meal, beginning with. Just fast a few items, fast gluten, fast sugar, fast bread, fast, you know, a few things. You've got to fast to where it hurts. It doesn't hurt me to fast liver. You've got to fast something that hurts you, it costs you. But it also needs to be convenient. If you cannot fast and keep up your work schedule, then don't fast while you're working. Maybe miss dinner that night. Maybe don't eat snacks. You know what? I had a friend who fasted snacks between meals. And that was serious for her. She lost a lot of weight just fasting snacks between meals. And she, she moved into a whole different place of power with God. So he knows the best plan for us. And then there's ordinary fasting. And that is eating in moderation. Eating small meals. Not eating till you're full. Eating only one meal a day. Hudson Taylor ate only one bowl of rice a day for months as he prepared to be a missionary to China. So if we incorporate a variety of fasts, we can fast as much as we give and pray. Fasting stirs our passion for God. It sensitizes us to His Spirit. It calls us into deeper communion with the Lord. It sharpens our focus on spiritual things and eternal things. We fast in this life because we believe in the life to come. Hunger for food is replaced by hunger for God. We fast from what we see and taste because we've seen and tasted that the Lord is good, and we want more of Him. For several years ago, I, I went to take part in a wedding in England, and so while I was there, there was a missionary that we knew well who traveled to visit with me, and he looked thin. So I said to him, "Are you okay? Is your health okay?" And he said, "Yeah." You know, I've been so busy working for the Lord that I've lost i lost my first love for the Lord. I just didn't love Him like I used to. I wasn't passionately in love with Jesus. I didn't think about Him throughout the day. I was busy doing ministry. And I suddenly one day realized I had moved from a love relationship with Jesus to just a work relationship with Him. And He said, I felt so bad about that that I said to the Lord, I'm going to fast for 40 days so that I can recapture my love relationship with you. And he said, I'm, I'm in the midst of that fast. And he said, the hardest part is not, not, being, not having food. It's being alone in my room, praying and reading the word while my family are all eating together. But I want the Lord more than I want their fellowship. There are some things that you want more than you want food like personal revival, like salvation of loved ones, like healing for a friend, like a spiritual awakening for America. There are some things you want far more than you want food, and you're willing to stop eating for a while to move the heart and the hand of God as you pray and fast. If fasting becomes a regular part of your life, you're going to notice its powerful effects. Like it says in Isaiah 58, it will loosen the bondage of wickedness. It will undo heavy burdens. It will set the oppressed free and it will break every yoke. So why would we not want to fast with promises like that? With so much to gain, why would we not want to put down our fork and get on our knees instead? The enemy will do anything to keep us from fasting. So we have to do everything we can to press through in fasting. I'm gonna ask Kevin to come up and share a little bit. Kevin um, went on a fast and it changed his life? It did.
2: Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Um, I'm grateful to be able to share uh, oh, my here. fasting um, testimony with you tonight. So Uh, Prior to this experience, I'd never fasted before, Uh, but go back to June of 2020, we were in the midst of COVID. I was three months into uh, being furloughed from a job with a company that I'd worked for for almost 30 years. And normally I'm pretty upbeat, I'm pretty positive, but uh, there was doubt, there was confusion, there was fear, anxiety, all of those were starting to creep into my psyche. But on June 12th, I was asleep in my bed, and I had a dream, a vivid dream, a powerful dream. In it, I was sitting across the campfire from a friend, not a particularly close friend, but somebody that I knew to be a Christian, to be a man of God. And as we looked at each other, he spoke to me in a voice that was not his own, and he said, Kevin you need to fast." I just looked at him and the words were repeated, Kevin, you need to fast. My eyes popped open, I bolted upright in bed, and I was pretty sure that I had just heard the voice of God speaking to me. Um, got out of bed, got on my knees, and I started to pray. And afterwards, I remembered a book, that Janet and Reuben had given to me as a gift. I think she's already mentioned it, Fasting by Jensen Franklin. Um, About two o'clock in the morning, got up, read that book cover to cover. And the book, as Janet's mentioned, explains that there's different reasons for fasting, different types of fastings, different lengths of time or duration for fasting. Jesus in Matthew starts out several passages, and when you give, and when you pray, and when you fast, making it pretty obvious that he considered fasting just as important an integral part of our Christian life as uh, giving and praying. So, and he mentioned that fasting should really be for really a particular reason, maybe a couple, not for a whole slew of things that we would normally pray for in our daily prayer life. And so I thought about it, and what I decided was, what I really wanted was simply for God to show me His will, for to put Mm -hmm. me on the path that He would have me walk, and to see God's face. So I started my fast the next morning, I decided I was gonna go seven days. It actually turned into eight of a fast, uh, I guess it's an absolute fast, water only. Um, I got into a routine. First I cut out all distractions, turned the TV off, shut off the internet, and just tried to shut out the distractions of the outside world because I was unemployed, I could stay at home and do this. And my routine in the morning was, I'm in the habit of getting up every morning and going for a five-mile walk with my dog at 5 a.m. And during that walk, I would listen to praise music. When I got home, I would alternate my time between praying and being in the Word and reading God's Word. Um, So that became my routine for the week. And I'll tell you, that first day was really hard. I was really hungry. Um, Convenience store hot dogs? That looked like manna from heaven to me. Um, My thoughts were jumbled. They were confused. My prayers were weak. They were short. But as I got into the week and each day progressed, uh, I noticed my prayers became more powerful. They were more concise, more directed, more substantial. Uh, the hunger pains had subsided. I was being fed by the Holy Spirit. And I can only describe the week as powerful, as impactful, as a life changing thing for me. Um, I broke that fast on Father's Day. My daughter came to visit. We went out, and we shared a meal together, and I was able to share this testimony. Uh, tell her about this experience, this life-changing experience I just had, and could see that it strengthened her faith, um, strengthened her walk with God. So that was just an added blessing uh, for the week. Uh, As I was reading my uh, study notes, um, I believe it was in Isaiah, and it talks about fasting. And it talks about fasting as a, a form of physically weakening oneself in order to strengthen your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I really believe that that's what happened to me uh, that week. It was just a very powerful experience. So fast forward to October that year, I was officially let go from the company that I'd spent all those years with. But that sense of depression, anxiety, stress, Uh, was gone. And it was replaced by peace and calm because I knew God was going to do something in my life. And just a few months later, um, I received a job offer, which I took for a company um, in metals distribution as an outside sales rep, which is something I've done my entire career, metals, outside sales. And I was able to uh, go to work, With products I knew, with customers I knew, the owners of the company are strong Christians. Uh, My immediate boss is a Christian. And I'm able to discuss matters of faith with them in a way that there was never possible in the secular big corporation that I had just left. So um, I came to realize that God had answered my prayers during that fast. He had put me on the path that He wanted me on, and it was the perfect path. It was the, just the right path, the path I needed to be on at that moment in time. And I came to realize also that it wasn't chance, it wasn't luck, it wasn't circumstance. It was God doing His will in my life. So uh, it was powerful, and it would be a blessing. It was a blessing for me to be a blessing that I would pray for each one of you that you would experience that, that you would experience that power, that you would draw closer to God, that you would um, just be able to see maybe a life-changing event happen uh, because it's possible. And um, I know some of you in here have fasted, others haven't, but that will be a blessing that I'll be praying for the group. So thank you for letting me share my testimony with you.
1: okay so um, if your prayer life is ineffective if you need fresh life power in your walk with God choose to fast it's an easy way to press into God it's uncomfortable but it's easy It's not like having to pack up and go overseas and go to China or something. It's just staying in your own home. Just stay away from the refrigerator. Stay away from the cookies, you know. It's how badly do you want more of the Lord? That's what it gets down to. What price are you willing to pay for Him to do in your life what He wants to do? So I'm going to pray and then we're going to go into small groups. Jesus, you made it so clear that... We are to be giving, we are to be praying, and we are to be fasting. And somehow we think we can pick and choose and do as much or as little as we want of any of those and still be fine. But Lord, the truth is we need to walk in all three of these strongly, fervently. I thank you that we are all part of a very giving church. Lord, we probably could all be more giving in our own personal lives. I believe we can all pray more in our personal lives and for sure we can all fast more. Lord, would you give us the courage to do that? Would you give us the determination to do that? And would you give us the grace to do that? Because Jesus, we do want you. We want you more than we want all of our distractions, more than we want our food, more than we want our friends. We want you. And so would you take the hunger that's in our hearts for the things of God and would you stir it up so that we are starving and craving time alone with you. That being in your presence is the only thing that will satisfy us. Draw us that way, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.